0: minimum of 4 lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due $35 per line connection charge applies ctmobile.com the fan is better when you're a part of it call us at 877-337-6666 powered by paramount plus stream the nfl on cbs live on paramount plus
2: Right along here, Keith McPherson on the fan inside the eight o'clock hour on this football Friday. We call this KM to AM a five-hour sports talk show with you, the fans that call the fan and listen and have something to say. 877-337, a six of six, and two more sixes will get you on my show. Please call now or don't. Um, we've got a full rack of calls. Don't don't. And I have a guest at 8:20. So let's try to clear these calls. But if you want to call and hang out and be on hold, you could do that too. So Let's keep going with the Strowman conversation. Uh, something I wanted to add, but we had to go to break. You know, I I, I keep getting these um, you know random comments online about Strowman because I've been very vocal about it. I've, I've been all week because initially I'm like, oh, zero percent chance that ha- that happens. He, you know, he called out Brian Cashman, and then I started to think about it, and I'm like, wait, Brian Cashman's not above. Signing a a bona fide major league starter right now for the low because he said something about him on Twitter? That's childish. Brian Cashman's a businessman. And after 82 and 80, right, you see Joel Sherman say, oh, the Yankees are desperate. You're damn right. We're all desperate. The fan base is desperate. It's been 15 years since the last World Series. We're trying to get back to the top. We're in a window right now with some of the best players in their primes. Yeah, we're desperate. Desperate times call for desperate measures so you can forgive and forget. And it's all about what happens from this point on. And for the Met fan that is so dense and took a victory lap with the Stroman signing as far as saying, oh, look who's taking the leftovers now. I like. I don't know how you guys don't process this. He was playing for the Chicago Cubs last year. He was an all-star. He was in conversations for the NL Cy Young before he got hurt. He wasn't a bum. They didn't just discard him. The Yankees picked him up not from the Mets, right? He wasn't a career Met. He came over from Chicago and he had a pretty decent year to start the year in Chicago. Don't try to compare it to David Stearns saying, oh, well, if you played in the market for the Yankees, that's a qualifier. We're interested. Carlos Mendoza, come on down. Never managed a day in his life. Luis Severino, we'll give you $13 million. You were absolutely terrible last year and finished the season on the IL. But come on down. We'll take a flyer on you. Yankees don't want you. Don't you have a house nearby? Come to Queens. And obviously, last but not least, Harrison Bader, who the Yankees traded for. He had a cup of coffee in the Bronx. They tried to make him the everyday center fielder, potentially to extend him. Great defense. Went missing at the plate ran into outs on the base pass, disappointed a lot of us, could not hit. So they put him on waivers. They they literally let him go. The, he was on the Reds last year. So you go dumpster diving for Yankees trash, Yankees leftovers, that's not the same as the Yankees picking up Marcus Strowman. Bobby in Belmore, what's up? You're on the fan. Hi, Pete. We should go to the doctor. Got some fun. happening, bacterial infection.
1: But I hope you feel better.
2: No, I I'm not sick at all. I was, I was sick, uh, you know, through like Christmas week, and and like oh. I just, I just know what it is. It's just, it's wintertime. Like, I gotta clear my throat and cough and get it out.
1: Yeah. Well, in your business, you have to have a clear throat. Uh, all right. Anyway, uh, you know, I kind of disagree. Uh, Stroman, to me, is no more than three or four starter. Now, if you look at the Yankees, I, I think they really want to now. They just made an offer just to tell people they made an offer. They could have given another year for more money. Now, only me throw it into the Yankee staff. And it's so obvious. I mean, Rodan is McDowell slash Ellsbury. Uh, Cortez has been hurt since the 2022
2: ACLS. So there's big question marks yeah. on that staff. Three out of your five starters were hurt for most of last year. And I think Brian Cashman knows that. And I think in negotiations, you put an offer out, especially Brian Cashman, right? Brian Cashman offered... Aaron Judge, two hundred and thirty-seven million. What do you end up paying him?
3: Right,
1: well, one hundred and sixty million. I, but if he really wanted Snell, he, will, he could, they could have gotten Snell. Yeah, but who's you know, paying up for a...
2: Snell? He's a free agent still. Who else is Who else is put an offer out besides the right. Yankees? If
1: that's what I'm saying. That they could have they, they would have came close to two hundred million. I think they would have. That's what he's looking at. I think they would have gotten. Yeah, but you I don't, don't have to do that
2: in January. In, in the way that this MLB free agency works, you don't have to do that. For for a guy like Blake Snell right now, wait it out. Oh, see if the okay, Angels I'll offer see. it for him. Right, right. They, they could wait
1: out. They could still get him. They could use. They could have six pitchers. He might come down to one
2: seventy five, and Cashman says, "Boom, sold." In right, February. that could happen.
1: That could happen. Yeah, I could see that happening. But uh, they could offer him one seventy five now, but get him. I think. But, but all right, well, they deal with Boris. This.
2: Boris. Boris is representing Montgomery. Uh, Juan Soto, Pete Alonzo, Garrett Cole—they deal with Boris. They right. know how to play his game. They, they know how to, to, yeah, they know how to navigate the no, waters.
1: Let me get, to, with let me this get guy. to the NFL quick. I know we got more calls and a guest coming up. There is no, there is no team that that's a shoe-in. I mean, you know, Kansas City is not Kansas City. Joe you know, Jackson hasn't won a thing in the playoffs. OK, Um San Francisco, that's surprising that Baltimore Raven game. I thought they were clear favorite after that Raven game. Buffalo Allen's a turnover machine. Dallas is Dallas. So, I mean, any, any team could win it this year. It's, it's wide open. Yeah. And- you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if a team that you wouldn't even expect like Cleveland or I guess it makes a run with Flacco who has a,
2: who's a, who's been incredible in the playoffs.
1: He kind of could vote a turnover also, but uh
2: Buffalo you know, if but, if Josh Allen holds on to the ball and plays the way we know he can play, they have been playing playoff football the last six weeks. They had to win every week just to get in. They scare me the most. Yeah. But but I think I think it could
1: be a you know, Detroit Green Bay, it wouldn't shock me. I mean, Green Bay went to Detroit and beat him nah, up
2: pretty good. Nah, Tommy so DeVito beat the, the Packers. Do the same thing. I, watched, I watched Tommy DeVito on Monday Night Football beat the Green Bay Packers. Bobby, thanks for the call. I'm just going to move it along. Juan is in Dumont, New Jersey on The Fan in New York. Hey, Keith. How
4: you doing, brother? Good. How are you? I'm good, man. Let me start off by saying you're such a bright spot on the radio, man. It's a pleasure to listen to you.
2: Thank you. Say it louder for the folks in the back. <laughs> I'm just kidding.
4: <laughs> No, no, it's all good, man. You deserve it. So, listen, like, I don't want to keep you long because I know you got a lot of calls and guests coming. But you know, the, the the LA Rams game and the Detroit Lions game, it, it really intrigues me. But it also really makes me think about the NFL and how it works and how these teams, time and time again, are so successful and how New York teams can't seem to get it right. I mean, I know they're trying. Everybody's trying, you know. And people like to comment and critique, and uh, these are professionals trying to do the job, but. Seeing the LA Rams and doing what they did after everyone said that they sold their soul to win a Super Bowl and now they're back in it, mm-hmm. the way they handled their draft to get the talent that they have to be in this situation right now, the coaching, everything involved in it. Now I'm a Niner fan, so I, I always watch the Rams. They they always kind of scare me a little bit. Yeah. My son's a Giants fan, so I gotta you know, I'm watching that. I just love the game of football and I watch it all over the place. But I watched the Rams and their success. And you kind of wonder sometimes, you know, where, and again, the losing mentality, people want to, you know, tank games for draft picks and all that. Let me tell you something. Unless you know how to draft and unless you know how to go for players that are NFL ready and yeah. not the How to watch players, film I mean, and, I mean, and identify people. a
2: Puka Nakua out of BYU. who Transfer like, the there home, from Washington. Like, do the like, homework.
4: Like, yeah. Right. Do the homework. People say, i South Carolina. Now, again, I'm not, I'm not knocking that program, but South Carolina. When you think about the Ohio State in the world and the Michigan in the world, Alabama, Clemson, all this stuff, South Carolina. And now look at them. Because, again, I feel like a lot of teams, before they draft, they do their homework. But not only that, they do their homework because they have an identity. They know who they want to be. And when you draft Saquon Barkley at number two in the draft, you better, for damn sure, be developing an offensive system <laughs> that allows you to run the ball effectively, and not just with him, but by commitment, so, that so you sell a run, you make the pass yeah. more effective, and I, I don't know how people just don't get. And every fan that always says "tank, tank, tank," dude, watch football, watch the drafts year by year, watch the success that teams teams that these teams get when they draft well, when they find NFL ready, talented, experienced college players, mind you, mm-hmm. not just someone that plays one year or two year, and then all oh, suddenly, like it's
2: you've Zach got to Wilson learn the game a little bit and popped up on you the know, scene like, in two but again, COVID I
4: don't
5: years.
2: What was that? I'm sorry. Like Zach Wilson, who popped up on the scene in two COVID years, and people are like, "Oh, he's the second best guy behind Trevor Lawrence." That like, class yeah, was like, terrible. I'm
4: like, how? How do you do that? Like, I just don't understand how something like that happens, and that tells me that the scouts are just not doing the job, and I think people just aren't holding, you know, certain standards where it, you know, it's an. And again, no one's telling you to win the Super Bowl, but dude, at least compete. You've got a multi-billion-dollar business. You got to find scouts that know how to do this. You got to have them because we all know that once you get into the playoffs, it's a whole new ball game. I have the Rams beating Detroit. I have so them I. going to Detroit and beating the Lions.
2: They've got nothing so, to lose, and they got a lot of young guys. Yeah, they where have, they're absolutely. naive. That's how, the, that's
4: how they've been playing. Mm-hmm. They should have beaten Baltimore. They should have beaten them. That punt return was out of
2: control. Walk off punt return so, that was a backup punt returner. Just you know, <laughs> it was one of those freak things. Happens. But they had it them. It just beat. Yeah, yeah. I'm right there right. with you. So
4: listen, Keith. Have a great night. I don't want to hold you up. I just wanted to make that point, telling people, listen, pray to God your team knows how to draft. Pray to God that your team knows how to do their homework. Stop asking for the tanking. Create the mentality of winning in the locker room. That's the only way you get to the stage that the Rams have gotten to. You have yourself a
2: good night, Keith. Thanks for the call, Juan. I agree. You know, I do say tank when it comes to a quarterback-heavy draft like this where— There's a chance that, like, this is not the draft with Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, Davis Mills, Kyle Trask. Like, this isn't the draft with Kenny Pickett and uh, I can't remember the kid's name now, Malik Willis. That's how you know the Tennessee Titans don't know what they're doing. I said that the other night. They drafted Will Levis and Malik Willis back-to-back years. Uh, And then they let go of Mike Rabel. What? Let's go to Gaza in Middletown, New Jersey. How you doing? Hi, Keith. Thanks for taking the call. Mm-hmm, no um,
3: problem. You mentioned um, we could talk about another subject besides uh, pro football. Of course. I have a college football question. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you play quarterback. Remember you down here at Ocean. Yeah. Um, you know, Arch Manning came out as this uh, very highly touted quarterback. And he committed to Texas. And... Yeah, pretty much sat this year. Um, the guy ahead of him just decided to... Quinn Ewers. Yep. Um, yeah, Ewers. He's, he's coming back. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're Arch Manning, are, are you going to sit it out for another year or are you going to think about the transfer portal?
2: He chose to go to Texas, and I heard him interviewed recently, and he said, like, I'm, I'm here learning and developing, and there's two things. He chose to go to... Or three things. He chose to go to the Longhorns... When they get to the SEC, he he can sit another year. Who knows? Maybe he beats Quinn Ewers out now that he's developing. Maybe he's better than him this year. So he chose that place. He wants to stay there. And you got to think about who's in his ear, right? That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Cooper Manning, Archie Manning, uh, well, his his grandfather Archie Manning, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning. They're probably looking at the landscape of college football saying, no, 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 no. You're not going to be one of these kids that goes into, we're well off. And you already are making millions through NIL. What do you need to do? Go to class. You chose to go there, right? You didn't follow us up and go to Ole Miss or Tennessee. You chose to go to Texas. Go to class. Get your education. You have more money than we could have imagined having at 19, 20 years old. Stay the course. Become the starter there. And you'll be the man there. You'll be rewarded for it. Do not do what some of these other guys are doing and jump around and, oh, I'm not starting. Uh, One year I'm here. The next year I'm here because, you know. When I played football, I transferred from James Madison University to Mammoth. I had to sit a year. The transfer portal did not exist. Right. The rule no, was right. you have to sit a year. I sacrificed a year, healthy year because that just was, was the rules. Um, I think that the Mannings are telling him, no, that's where you chose to go. You gave them your word. You're with Steve Sarkeesian. Go go compete. Go battle. Right, We had to win our starting quarterback jobs in the NFL and in college. You're not going to be the type of kid that just goes somewhere else and follows the money. Okay.
3: And one last thing, Keith, uh, you really are a breath of fresh air. You have a great skill for listening and engaging with callers and don't ever change. So I won't just trying to
2: get better. Just working on it. Thanks for the oh. call. Archie meant like I'm trying to find his NIL evaluation. I guarantee you he's worth, he's one of the highest paid kids in college. Um, I remember his name. Yes. So Manning was, be- and this is, this is from before the season. Archie Manning was third highest NIO college athlete at almost $3 million. He came in at $2.8 million. So Archie Manning's Archie Manning's sitting at the University of Texas, Austin, which is a great campus, great place to go to school, as a millionaire. He made $3 million this year to sit on the bench. Texas went to the college football playoff. He's collecting $3 million. He comes from money. He doesn't need to transfer. Why? Oh, I want to start. No, because his his dad, his, his uncles, his grandfather—they're saying, "What? What? What? You want to run? You want to leave? You want? You want to go make some money somewhere else? You can't beat Quinn Ewers out. <laughs> some Manning you are. All right, we got to take a break right here. I'm gonna bring in my guy R.J. Ochoa. From blogging, the boys, we are going to have the full conversation around the Green Bay Packers, Dallas.
0: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries Call us 877 337 6666. Powered by Paramount Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount Plus.
2: Yeah! I'm excited about this one. So. You know, being, I guess, on uh, the radio or TV or, you know, even having followers on the internet, it's, it's something that I've adjusted to over the last, like, three years or so. But you, you still don't really look at it as, like, people know who I am or, you know, people definitely are familiar with me. It's just, like, it's, it's strange, right? So, for me, uh, I'm a Dallas fan. I follow all of the Dallas accounts. And I remember telling you guys, like, in 2023, 2024, you know, the jokes about, oh, You know, how are you a fan of this or whatever? Because it's easy now, right? You can literally watch every single game of your favorite team in every league on your phone. You can follow the reporters, the bloggers. You can follow the team accounts on social media. You can know everything in the palm of your hand. And for years, I was following our next guest on blogging the boys and, you know, just seeing his little uh, um, Instagram reels of like little things from his podcast and, and the YouTube and all of this stuff whenever I wanted to get content on the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm not exactly sure how we connected, but it was a pleasant surprise to know that he was familiar with me and he was you know, kind of a fan of mine as well. The feeling was mutual. Let's welcome in RJ Ochoa. You might have seen him on Hey K Adams Show. You might have seen him, I don't know where. I, I've seen him everywhere. He's from blogging the boys. He is one of the top guys as far as Dallas Cowboys content on the internet, RJ What's up, man? You're on the fan in New York.
5: Keith, great to be with you. Really appreciate that kind introduction. Uh, definitely a fan of yours, and um, I think um, our common thread is we tend to have um, a similar appreciation for legacy and just kind of epic things, and so I appreciate you having me on the greatest sports radio station in the United States.
2: There you go. The, g- the guy knows. Uh, congratulations on your gig. I was reading that, oh I'm like, go, RJ, go. Tell everybody where... Uh, you know, you're about to start working and breaking into the radio on a, on a daily basis or at least, you know, multiple times a week, right?
5: Yeah, I mean, you know, I run Blogging the Boys, Destination to the Dallas Cowboys side, and that's still, you know, my, my 9 to 5 if you consider, you know, me to have normal work hours. But in addition <laughs> to that, because, um, you know, I, I am team no sleep. Uh, now you can hear me every weekday from 6 to 10 a.m. Central on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. And so, um, obviously, we talk a lot of Cowboys, um, a lot of San Antonio Spurs, uh, some Texas Rangers which I'm not thrilled with um, you know this audience won't be pleased to know I'm a, I'm a Houston Astros Ooh, fan So, but,
2: fan, Keith why would you bring an Astros
5: fan on WFA but you're you know that speaks to kind of what you're saying and I'm just a Texas guy you know who roots for the Cowboys and the Astros and the Spurs and, and you know nowadays that's a lot easier than when I was growing up and so um, it is very cool and it allows for people like you and I to, you know, break bread in a in a two-dimensional sense and hang out and, you know, talk about the things they care about.
2: Yeah, it was cool to know that you watched Off Base and you were familiar with me from that. And then, you know, what I find, uh, I connected with you, West Coast Cowboys, and, uh, Cowboy, and there's a ton of YouTubers, bloggers that cover the Cowboys. And, you know, people are looking at me and they're like, bro, you're on WFAN, you're on MLB Network, like, you should build a platform and start talking about the Dallas Cowboys. I'm like, I'd like to, but it's just not that popular for me to do that in New York. Everybody's Jets fans, Giants fans, but I know there's a ton of Cowboys fans listening right now. I know that because they call the fan, and I go to MetLife Stadium every year, and I've never seen the Cowboys lose in MetLife Stadium, and the parking lot is uh, about 60-40 Giants fans to Dallas fans. Uh, that opening game this year was incredible, 40-0 Uh, rainy game where the Dallas Cowboys came out and it wasn't a contest. You remember that?
5: Oh, yeah. I mean, how can you forget that? You know, the beginning of the season does feel like 100 years ago in some senses, but um, it really kind of was the beginning of all this. And I think, you know, um, I I know you were at the game, but if you never went and watched the broadcast right before in a really strange thing, Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like I'm talking like two minutes before kickoff, Dak Prescott was being interviewed by Melissa Stark and you know, Melissa's the goat, but, uh, I felt so bad for her cause he was so like steely eyed laser focused, like clearly did not want to be anywhere near a microphone and a camera. Um, and that's, that's what this has all been about is, it's not necessarily simulating, you know, through then, uh, to this point, but everybody knew uh, that the Cowboys would be a playoff team. However, that would ultimately happen and and everybody knew that they'd you know be playing some high stakes football in January and and that's where they're at and now it's kind of time for them to put up or shut up because if they don't then there are definitely a lot of people who are going to let them hear about it
2: yeah it was funny I believe Melissa Stark even asked him about the turnovers from last year and I'm like come on this is a new year clean slate like how do you ask a guy about the turnovers and Dak did say he wasn't going to throw 10 picks and uh, we were just having the conversation about Dak having way better numbers than Lamar Jackson. He should be the MVP, but as you know and I know, the Dallas Cowboys are the most talked about team, most scrutinized team. Uh, there's just different uh, standards for them, and everyone loves to say they're frauds, and, and I say it as well, and when they lost to the Dolphins and when they lost to the Bills before that, I think that took Dak Prescott out of any you know conversation for MVP. What do you think about that?
5: yeah i mean i think if if we are just kind of looking at statistics it's really difficult to argue for lamar um over Dak. but you know it is a narrative-based award and, and i'm a little bit more at peace you know about this and i think a lot of cowboys fans are um because that's that's part of the game i mean you know that's that's part of the gig as it relates to the award specifically and you mentioned the dolphins loss. It it was such a shame because I, I, if the Cowboys had been able to hold on, the, the go-ahead touchdown drive was incredible and, and probably would have been Dak's kind of MVP moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, that the you know, and so it's funny that the defense is kind of accosted in this. And then, of course, one day later, it really boosts Lamar from a narrative standpoint to go to San Francisco on Christmas night with everybody hanging out with their families and just humble them in a way that nobody's really been able to. And so it's unfair, but, you know, I'm cool with Lamar. If it can't be Dak, I'm certainly happy that it's probably going to be him.
2: Okay, so let's get to the matchup. Uh, When I first saw this matchup, I said, I'm looking for revenge. I haven't forgot. I have not forgot about the years before with Aaron Rodgers. I haven't forgot about Aaron Rodgers finding Jared Cook. I haven't forgot about Dez caught it. Um, And even, you know, last year the Cowboys went to Lambeau and found a way, Dak threw two interceptions and found a way to lose to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, the storyline of Mike McCarthy's former team versus his current team. Uh, The youngest team, uh, their average age is 25, the Packers. Jordan Love, who everybody is already anointed as the next Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, 10-, 15-year quarterback of the Packers. I think the show ends. I think that they barely got into the playoffs here in New York. I've been using the line, Tommy DeVito beat them on Monday Night Football. I know they were able to beat the Chiefs. I know they were able to beat... The Lions, do you see them coming into Jerry World? It would be terrible, but do you see them coming into Jerry World and beating the Dallas Cowboys this weekend?
5: You know, I I, I don't. I mean, to kind of, you know, spoil any potential drama. And, and to be clear, this is, I mean, you know, this is a dangerous game. This is who I wanted the Cowboys to play. You know, Same. if you'd asked me this time a week ago, um, I'm terrified of the. I'm terrified of the Rams, and, and because I am, I'm hopeful that the Rams can beat Detroit and then go to San Francisco and, and you know, do the Cowboys' dirty work <laughs> for them. Um, the only, you know, kind of part that I disagree on, and, and to be clear, you know, in our postgame show that I do at Blogging the Boys on Sunday night after Dallas, trounced Washington, I said the same things that you were kind of saying. I was like, you know, this one's for Dez, and this one's for Romo, and this one's for Witten, and Sean Lee, and Dan Bailey, and whatever. And as the week has gone on, I've sort of, you know, kind of distanced from that take and that opinion, um, because what I really respect about this, you know, year's Cowboys is while they obviously live in a very long and tall and dark shadow, it, you know, the, the drought and everything that this franchise has experienced is not their fault. I mean, you know, and, and I don't think it would be fair to hold them responsible for the sins of the past and to say, you do have to go get revenge for, for the people that came before you and that failed. And I, you know, that's something Mike McCarthy talked about this week was that, and and I don't blame him for this, but he, you know, last year's game at Lambeau probably became a little bit too big and became a little bit too much about Mike McCarthy. And again, that's natural. We're all human and it was an emotional thing for him and everybody involved. But you know what, what I've kind of come around to is this, this is just about, this is a team in the way. I mean, that's really what it is. It, It happens to be the green Bay Packers. And yeah, Dez caught it. Jared cook, the ice bowl. You know, whatever point of history you want to kind of reference that these two have in common, you can totally do that. But at this moment in time, they are simply a team that stands in the way of the Cowboys, you know, achieving football's ultimate prize. And, and I think, you know, what I have appreciated the most about the ride that started with Melissa Starr questioning about the interceptions was they haven't cared. They haven't cared. you know. The, and when they did care in San Francisco, it blew up in their face. And they learned that. They learned that if you're chasing ghosts, you're really just fighting yourself. And that's probably the worst way to go about
2: it. Well said. Obviously, I mean, you've been watching Dallas like I've been watching Dallas. I I, I second all of that. They All they got to do is handle business, man. They're, they're Like I said, they're facing the youngest team. They're at home. They have a 16-game home win streak. RJ, I did not see this happening. I did not see the Lions coming to Jerry World and losing, and at the same time, the Jonathan Gannon-led Cardinals going to Philly and beat I – just, I just didn't see it happening. I did not see the Cowboys getting the number two seed and having home field – Advantage. I thought they were going to be a wild card. I thought they were going to go to Tampa and face the Bucks. I'm glad they dodged the Rams as well. Now, you mentioned uh, Mike McCarthy, and there's been some reports. Of course, there's reports, right, that Jerry Jones would be interested in Bill Belichick if, you know, the Cowboys, let's say, go one and done under Mike McCarthy and lose this game. I don't believe that because I've been on record here and on the Internet saying, are you dumb? This is the best year for Dak Prescott, also CeeDee Lamb, And what's the difference in the offense? Kellen Moore isn't calling the plays. Kellen Moore isn't running the show. It's Mike McCarthy's first year. And you and I did that episode preseason, looking into the Cowboys season, and we both talked about you can't have Mike McCarthy as your head coach and move on from him without letting him call the plays because that was his M.O. What do you think about that?
5: Yeah, I mean, you know, I know when we chatted back then, we said, we're going to learn something and it's either going to be awesome or it's going to be terrible. But at the very least, you know, when this season is over, we'll have that knowledge and we'll be able to, you know, make make a decision and be at peace with it. Um, And I don't know how you can't, you know, be overwhelmingly satisfied with what Mike McCarthy has done. Um, You know, his probably greatest crime in, in the NFL is that he lost a very public PR battle to Aaron Rodgers. and. And that shaped and morphed a lot of opinions about him. And that's not to say he's flawless and and always makes the right decisions. But if anybody else in the NFL, if, you know – I would actually point to Sean McDermott as an example. And obviously, you know, he's been in the news for different reasons, you know, the last few months, but Sean McDermott said, I want to call defensive plays and the bills defense flourishes and has some success. And everybody says, wow, that's amazing. He called his shot. He lived up to it. Mike McCarthy said, you know what? We're going to move on from this dude who has literally overseen the best offense in the NFL. He has an incredible resume but I believe that I can make this happen in a way that is more efficient for the overall good of the team. And he did it. I mean, like he, he completely and totally did it. And I don't mean to, you know, dance around the way the chargers failed this season, obviously. Uh, but the Kellen Moore floundered. I mean, Mike McCarthy, at least in the one year sample size that we have proved himself Speaking of a, a
2: coach calling the plays, right? Brandon Staley calling their defense saying, I call the defense. <laughs> that led to his yeah. demise.
5: And so, I mean, it, it, it's, you know how it is with the Cowboys. It's always going to be, you know, something. And people are always going to find a way to, you know, invoke and influence drama where, where there isn't. And honestly, I'm grateful for that. You know, hopefully, um, you know, we're able to put my son through college off of all the attention uh, that that generates. But, I mean, it, it, you know, the Cowboys have, have just been in this wilderness for almost three decades. And Mike McCarthy has provided a North Star. I mean, they have won – you know, double digit games in each of the last three seasons. That hadn't been done since the mid 90s. They've been a playoff team every year for three years in a row. That hadn't been done since the mid 90s. They have a 16 game home winning streak. That hadn't happened in forever. I mean, they're seven point favorites over the team who you just said, and you're right. Everybody's so quick to anoint and crown as the next, you know, kind of perennial dominant team in the NFC. I mean, I just don't know how you can be so sad or so dissatisfied with him that you would want to move on in the name of this, that, or the other. I'm a big fan of Dan Quinn, and I'm very grateful for what he's done for the Cowboys. But the idea that he is somehow the one who's really running the show, when you said it, Mike McCarthy's gotten the most out of Dak Prescott and C.D. Lamb. In all due respect to Micah Parsons, that's the most important thing in the modern NFL to make sure that you can score, you can move the ball down the field. And so... I don't want to move on in any kind of way from Mike McCarthy. I want to give this dude more power and extension. I want him to have a bigger office. I mean, like, I want him to have every single thing possible.
2: (laughs) We're on the phone with RJ Ochoa, the manager, editor-in-chief of Blogging the Boys, covering the Dallas Cowboys, friend of mine. uh, He brought me on his platform before the season. Now we're going into the uh, postseason. I figured I'd have him on the fan. It's funny, man. There's a few things that you said. Like, Mike McCarthy, this guy said he was going to run the ball. We want to run the damn ball. We get rid of Zeke. The run game hasn't been the same with Pollard. And it doesn't need to be. They end up throwing the ball. They end up spreading the ball around, throwing it to Jake Ferguson, throwing it to Jalen Tolbert, throwing it to Brandon Cooks, uh, Cavante Turpin. I'm fine with that. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Aaron Rodgers. That Aaron Rodgers, man, he's persuasive, ain't he? He he was able to persuade the Green Bay Packers to get uh, one coach up out of there. He, He tried to get the next guy out of here, and now he's here in New York. And they need to get their head coach up out of here, but Aaron Rodgers saying no, he's good, he's going to stay. Aaron Rodgers just always seemed to have his way, huh? It's crazy.
5: I mean, you know, I'm obviously somebody who's had their team scorned by Aaron Rodgers, and so I'm very bitter towards him in just a sports sense. But um, I would also, <laughs> I would also point out that you know, in their first year removed from him, the Green Bay Packers are in the playoffs. I mean, you know, they're able to have success and they're able to survive and. Um, they're able to flourish and thrive in different ways, and it's funny that these are the two teams meeting up in that particular respect. Aaron is obviously inordinately talented. You know, I don't know anyone that's going to deny that. Um, but but it is interesting nonetheless. And so you know, yeah, I, I do think that that really shaped the way a lot of people viewed McCarthy, and he hasn't helped himself in certain moments with his talk about analytics when he was first hired by the Cowboys. And you know, this, that, and the other. Sleep Everybody in that Jerry
2: Jones's house, or that video that came out of him, like. Uh, in his home, like, practicing and pretending to be a coach. or I don't think any of that really helped. But whatever. Look where we are now.
5: Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, this dude has a phenomenal track record with the two, you know, arguably most Tiffany brands of the NFL. Uh, Has had wild success with different staffs, different players, different eras, different decades. I mean, and we sit here and we're like, well, you know, if they lose a playoff game, should we get rid of him? No. I mean, you know, let's all come back down to earth
2: a little bit. No, and you know what? I mean, he's suspect with the timeouts and the decision-making. We all know that. Hopefully it doesn't cost us. The in-game decision-making, going for it on third down, going for it on fourth down, we've seen it. Um, And even when to call timeout clock management, hopefully Dak can save us. You know, Here's a question um, as we're starting to wrap up about the defense and Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn, I think, is good as gone. I think this is the last ride. Micah Parsons spoke on it. Hey, if this is the last one with DQ, uh, let's make it a good one. What do you think about Dan Quinn? I think he's going to Seattle or somewhere. I know there's somewhere that's going to want him. This is the this is the greatest, in my opinion, the greatest off season for NFL teams and even colleges looking for head coaching talent. There's so many talented, successful coaches available. The Jets passing on all of them.
5: Yeah, I mean we're certainly in a new era, um, and, and potentially you know going to formulate some new legends both at the collegiate and the professional level, and you know obviously Quinn has turned down jobs in each of the last two off seasons and even then you know our speculation and a lot of people's has always been he's waiting at that Seattle job he wants to go home and how could he not I mean he won a Super Bowl in the building you've mentioned many times and met life as their defensive coordinator what now you know nine years ago and so I just you know 10 years ago actually but um it, it does feel destined I mean they haven't formally requested to interview him yet but I mean how could it not happen and Um, Dan Quinn knows he's not going to get a lot of opportunities like this, even if he's coaching like a Parsons each and every single year. It feels right. It it feels like the time he's spent a 1000 days coaching the Dallas Cowboys. And so I think you have to be incredibly grateful for that. But um, certainly wishing him all the best, um, you know, outside of whatever, see, I don't mean to the Cowboys, but That'll provide an opportunity, whether it's for Al Harris or Joe Witt Jr. to step up and be the new defensive coordinator of the Cowboys.
2: So here's a thought for you, RJ, before I let you go. So the spread is is, uh, Dallas minus seven, minus seven and a half. There was a similar spread when Dallas hosted the Rams during this season. And Dallas went out there and absolutely blew their doors off, smoked them. This is before the Rams really started to click and figure it out. But still... I have a sneaky suspicion that this can happen, too, with this young Packers team, and here's why I think it's going to play out this way. I want to hear from you. I know you guys do the Madden simulation, and I know you've talked all week through how this game is going to play out, and uh, here's what I see. Jordan Love is going to be overwhelmed by the Dallas Cowboys' defense pass rush. I know we're a little banged up with Stephen Gilmore out there at corner, but I expect Deron Bland to be looking to intercept the ball with the whole world watching. I expect our safeties who have played very well to be good. Uh it sucks to not have Layton Esch, but those guys will hold up in the middle because I think, you know, Demarcus Lawrence is a game wrecker. I think uh oh Diggy is a game wrecker. I think those guys will be able to stop the run of AJ Dillon who has been hurt, Aaron Jones, who was hurt all season, and it's going to come down to Jordan Love making the throws. He couldn't make the throws against the Giants. I watched that game. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with this kid? He was able to light up the Lions. They got turnovers. They got up on the Lions on Thanksgiving quickly with everyone watching. He was able to uh, duel with Patrick Mahomes and beat the Chiefs. But, man, coming into Jerry World as a young team with not really much anybody on that team, I'm trying to think who has experience on that team they're all young their receivers even their defense Jair Alexander's banged up like I think they're going to be overwhelmed by the atmosphere 90,000 screaming Dallas Cowboys fans the Cowboys have a 16 game win streak Micah Parsons going to be breathing down Jordan Love's neck and Dak and CD and Jake Ferguson and Tony Pollard in the offense it's just going to be another day at the office For them, I see Dallas winning by 14 or more. I don't think it's going to be a minus seven situation. What say you?
5: You know, I'm parking my car in that garage for the most part. Um, I agree that this is just a really intimidating environment for anybody, let alone, you know, to your point, a a team and and a quarterback who's so green. Um, You know, the track record for, you know, quarterbacks making their first start in the playoffs generally isn't that well. A fact that Dak Prescott knows very well from losing to the Green Bay Packers in his first ever playoff start. Um, And so I I do think that, I mean, at the end of the day, and and I know, you know, these are two playoff teams and, and, you know, I don't expect, you know, the Cowboys to just blow their doors off and and make it a non-game right away. I do think this is probably a little bit tenuous, a little bit stressful in the first half. And maybe the Cowboys' first possession in the third half, they start to kind of put some distance between themselves and Green Bay. And then maybe, you know, it's a 10-point game and you get the Micah Parsons strip-sack fumble recovery and the Cowboys go make it a 17-point game. And it's just a matter of, like, man, you know, somebody tweets out, like, three minutes and 16 seconds ago in game time, the Packers are down by seven. Now they're down by 21. Something like that. And, And I think that... I wouldn't call that a backdoor cover, but I I think the score probably looks a little bit disingenuous at the end as to how close the game was, kind of like last week. I mean, it was a little sticky early on, and then before you knew it, the Cowboys were out in front and it was just too late for Washington.
2: Yeah, uh, Brandon Aubrey-Graham stay perfect. I think Brandon is going to keep kicking that ball through the uprights, and that helps the Cowboys' offense as well. RJ, you're the man. Like I said, I was a fan before I even realized you knew who I was. I was following your content. And I uh, appreciate you bringing me on your platform. I'm glad I was able to bring you on WFAN tonight.
5: Keith, I'm a big fan of yours, big fan of the of the station, obviously. Uh, my goal is to just work one one-hundredth as hard as you do. And if I do, I know I'll have <laughs> a, a lot of success. Best to you and the family. And uh, post more pictures of the cat on Instagram. That's what we want to
2: see, I promise. <laughs> I got you, RJ. Thanks for joining us tonight. Have a good one, man. That was RJ Ochoa. You got to follow him on Twitter. He's got like 80,000 Twitter followers, he's the manager and editor-in-chief editor of Blogging the Boys under SB Nation. He's on the Hey K. Adams show. He does a lot of different hits talking about the Dallas Cowboys. It's funny, him and I got together in the preseason, and you know he's having me on his podcast, and he puts on the Astros hat, obviously following me. He said he watched me on off-base. He knew I was a big Yankee fan, so he puts on the Astros hat. We have a little back and forth there. But if you go to my Twitter, I just, I just quote-tweeted the tweet that I put out from February... I said, I never met him. Um, we're fans of each other. I watched him cover the Dallas Cowboys. He watched me on MLB Network. I said, the universe never unconnects. Watch what happens next. Go to my Twitter and watch the video. We have something in common that was just like, it, you had to have been a, a child of the 90s and grown up rooting for the Dallas Cowboys. It was a moment that was not rehearsed, not scripted, that just happened live on camera that we caught. And uh, we had a lot of fun with it. it it's on my Twitter, at... Keith underscore McPherson.
0: When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. Manning back, steps up, teams one down the middle of the field, into the end zone, and Mix makes the catch for the touchdown. He went up with the big hands and caught another Hail Mary. the final play. York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app.
2: Okay, quickly right here, Keith McPherson on the fan, KM The AM. We got to take a break in three minutes. Nah, like two minutes, right, Paulie? Around that, Paulie's like just rolling his eyes looking at me like, we're going to have to break. <laughs> Let me take one more call before we go to the break and the update, and we step inside the 9 o'clock hour on the fan. Gary and Waterbury, you're on. You got it.
3: Oh, I smash Keith F, your beef. No relief. I step on stage. The girls, scream, girls like I'm Keith. scream like I'm Keith.
2: I think they should know it, even if they don't really know it by now. Yo, and shout out to Craig Mack. Yo, shout to Craig Mack. Never gave him a shout out. Keith,
3: my dog. I need an exact score dallas this week what's it
2: going to be Ooh, a correct score okay so this i can't do that i and trust me I've i got wa- 30 I,
3: to 17 i've wasted so you much money trying
2: to bet correct scores in my life even putting a dollar no, or it, or 0.09 cents because i do that like that's the lowest no, but bet you, you, you can make.
3: Be, it's just a fun prediction <laughs> so okay for, for, you know you've got to predict something for the air you've got to have an opinion
2: they're not going to keep this is your team yeah they're not going to keep the packers out of the end zone they might even have a you know turnover defensive score so I think that the Packers score at least one, maybe two touchdowns. So just right there, extra points, you have 14 points. You also expect them to kick a field goal, right? I think they're they're going to score. But I don't think that they score more than like 17, 20 points. So if I'm if I'm looking at the Packers score, I, I think they score two touchdowns. and I'll give them two field goals. I'm not acting like they're going to just show up. I at, got at, their-
3: I got thirty to seventeen. You gotta give me a, at least a score prediction. Dallas right is gonna here. put up My points. My dog. You yeah. gotta. Dallas is give gonna me score.
2: C.D. Lamb will probably score twice. Uh, Jake Ferguson will score once. They'll run it you in with Tony a- Pollard. Brandon Graham. You gotta give me a final or a Brandon Graham. Brandon Graham plays for the the Eagles. Um, Brandon Aubrey Graham. I make the Aubrey Graham reference for Drake. He's gonna kick two field goals, four touchdowns. Two field goals. I mean, I, I guess we're looking at like 34-17 Dallas. 34-17 Dallas. It's on record. Thanks for the call. 877-337-6666. Let's hit the break. Let's hit the update. It's wide open for the next 20 minutes until we bring Charlotte Carroll from The Athletic in covering your New York Giants. KM to AM returns right after this